Welcome to Rekindled Faith with Melanie Bierda. Whether you've been wrestling with questions, facing doubt, or simply just uninspired, let's dive into what it means to be authentic followers of Christ. If I was to ask you what you thought about being in the wilderness or otherwise known as in the valley, what would your perspective of that be? I think the general consensus is that when we go into the wilderness or the valley, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, it is a bad place to be. Quite often people are frustrated and irritated, restless, discontent, they're upset. And what if I was to tell you that the valley, the wilderness, is not intended to be a place where you just get sad and uh, upset about yourself and your life, but if anything, it is a place to go with God and to use it as a training ground. If we turn to Luke chapter 4, this is the section where Jesus is tested in the wilderness. So in the very start on verse 1, it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? Why would God be, why would Jesus be led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? And you notice how Jesus doesn't fight it. He's not complaining. He's not arguing. He's just full of the Spirit. He knows He knows that God's got his back. He knows that this is the way to go. He knows that he's going to make it through. Even, I'm sure, in his humanity, he felt a little bit terrified. Not like maybe not even terrified, but like a little bit nervous or like unexpected. Like, what's going to happen? What's the uncertainty of it? But still, he was led by the Spirit and he went into the wilderness. And I think about that and how often in my life that I've been faced with the valley or the wilderness and I've just allowed it to consume every part of my being. There was no point in which I was being led by the spirit. There was no point that I was trying to be led by the spirit. I was just going along and kicking and screaming and fighting the whole entire process. You have likely been through seasons in your life where you have felt overcome by the ups and the downs and the negativity or the positivity like all the things that are just going on all of the expectations that you felt on your life so what do we do what do we do with the wilderness what do we do when we get into the wilderness how do we even deal with any part of this i would like us to look through luke chapter 4 and see what jesus did So first of all, you have the fact, like I said, Jesus was led by the Spirit. So he was already connected to the Spirit. He was already making the effort to have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit. God knew that he was going to be tempted in the wilderness, but he still allowed him to go into the wilderness. And I think on a side note, that's an important part that we should recognize that sometimes we will go through the wilderness and God will allow that to happen. And quite often we can be all, all sad and mopey about it. And like, oh, why, does good, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, if it happened to Jesus, it could probably happen to us. And I can tell you that um, 
I haven't suffered the same measures that Jesus has suffered. I have also not been as bold as Jesus has been bold in his faith, in his call to action. The next point I'd like to bring up is that Jesus stays rooted in the truth during his time in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Satan tries to entice him with offering up different things like instant authority over all of the kingdoms on earth that Jesus could see. And Jesus is like, "Mm, no, thanks. Jesus also brings up reference to scripture during his time in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but um, there's been many years of my life that there's no way that I could reference scripture. I can say a few of those like overused cherry picked verses but if you would have asked me can you actually speak out scripture in the face of the enemy or in the face of adversity can you speak it out no no probably not I'd have to open up my bible and look at my bible I know where in my bible it could be but I don't know off the top of my head what I should be saying in that exact moment. Whereas Jesus just pulls it right out. He's like, boom, it said this. And then Satan tries as one of his last resorts to create doubt in Jesus. So like, if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down. God will save you. It's fine. That's verse uh, chapter four, verse nine. And Jesus just uh, comes back at him and says, do not test God. Boom, mic drop. He didn't give in to the taunting of Satan. He didn't give in to the lies, the deception, the manipulation. Why? Because he stayed rooted in the truth and firmly grasping onto the Holy Spirit. He had the Spirit with him through that whole process, and he chose to acknowledge that he had the Holy Spirit with him through that whole process. How often do people just give up and walk away because they're like, "Mm, God must not care. God does care. God goes with us into the wilderness. He walks with us through every single hiccup and adversity. He is there. And I truly do believe, like in my experience of walking through the wilderness, of experiencing the loss of loved ones or just life changes or life circumstances that kind of hit you in the face, God is the one today that I can say that I hold very closely to in those times. And the best part is that Jesus left the wilderness still filled with the Holy Spirit. He was still on fire and in love with God, and not giving up on him at all. I think quite often we fail to recognize the value of the hard times in life when we're in it. I can look back over my life and think, hey, you know what? I can see how those moments of weakness, of darkness, of just complete and utter chaos have become part of the foundation of which I am now standing on in my relationship with God, passionately, passionately in love with him. And I know how annoying that is to hear when you're in the thick of it, 
when you're going through the dark times, when you're going through the struggles and you feel isolated and you feel alone and you feel so broken and just like a waste of skin. Like I have gone through those seasons of feeling like that. And if somebody came up to me and was like, Hey, Melanie, um, you know what? In a couple of years, you're going to, you're going to really honor and respect that this time was like the refining fire for your soul. I would be like, um, I don't like you and I don't ever want to talk to you again. If we look at when after Jesus left the wilderness, he went back to his hometown in Nazareth and he was hanging out in the synagogue and talking and uh, reading the scrolls and stuff like that, engaging with the people in the community. And they were amazed. Specifically, they were amazed by the graciousness or the gracious words that came from his mouth. But then what happened? You know, Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He's just overcome 40 days of temptation and starvation. And he's come out and he's still going strong. He's still filled with the Holy Spirit and ready to rock. Goes to the synagogue. He's like, yeah, first place I want to go, I want to go hang out with my my God. I want to go hang out and read the word of God at the synagogue so he goes and then he shares with people and then the people are like wow that's really cool and then in a second everything changes they start to doubt who Jesus is isn't this the son of Joseph this kid grew up here he ran through the streets he probably made some of the furniture that these people are sitting on if they're sitting on furniture or at least they know of his dad of his mom of him They've seen him around. And isn't it interesting how we can just disqualify people based on their birthright? Like if we have somebody come into town, some foreign traveler, come into town and preach an amazing sermon, we're like, yeah, this is great. We have no history of this person. We have no clue where they used to run around. We have no clue what they used to do if they rode bikes when they were kids or if they were on skateboards or anything, like all the little details. We don't know if they went through a rebellious period in their life unless they tell us. We know none of it. But these people know everything about Jesus to the best of their neighborness can. And they immediately disqualify his words based on the fact that he is Joseph's son. So they've seen him in diapers. That disqualifies him from having the voice and being the God, the God being person that is coming out that he is. If he can really save all these people, well, save yourself. Show us. Show us that you are who you say you are. Show us that you have the power that you say you have. This is it, people. This is where the Bible becomes relatable throughout this whole process of me sharing about Luke 4 with you. This is it. We can often say, oh, the Bible is so boring and there's nothing nothing to learn or nothing to grasp from the Bible. Like It's just an old book written by old men from like thousands of years ago. It's not relevant to today. I'm pretty sure that we can all just throw that outside because how many times have we gone through trials in our life and struggled in the wilderness we struggled and then you come out and you're like yes I feel you know I like I survived I thrived 
And now I'm going to go and I'm going to tell people about it. And it's going to be so awesome. I'm so excited. And then you start talking about it and you're just so filled with the spirit and you're so excited. And then somebody comes out of nowhere and it's just like, hmm, aren't you so-and-so's kid? Hmm, didn't you do this? Hmm, are you even qualified to talk about that? And then boom, it all crashes down. And it's just like, what is the point? Anyway, what is the point? Tell me that's not relatable to real life. Tell me that's not relatable. The trick is to not allow yourself to be overcome with the questions and the criticisms of other people. Whether you are born of kings or servants, there will always be somebody that will come along and try to disqualify your voice based on where you come from, who you were brought up by, whatever your life circumstances are, the past that you've walked, all of those things. But I think that it's important that we recognize that just because other people come out of the woodwork and disqualify you based on things, stuff and things of this world, it doesn't mean that you're disqualified by God's mission. If God has called you onto a mission, then he's going to bring you to the places that you need to go to do the things that you need to do to complete whatever it is that he's asking you to do. And if you even look through the Bible, he is a fan of picking people that are not qualified to do the job. And even like the whole sinners, yes, sinners, you know, like we, I don't know, my life is far from perfect. I have made so many mistakes in my life. And finally, I'm at a place where it's like, okay, I can like manage today. I can not be a, a jerk to everybody that I encounter. I'm still a jerk sometimes and I'm sorry, I'm working on it. But I have this ability today because I've pressed into the spirit and I've asked God for guidance repeatedly and I've fallen down and I've gotten back up and I've fallen down and I've gotten back up and I'm just trying to get deeper and deeper into connection with my God so that I don't have to go through the li- go through life with all of the struggles and the baggage and the hardship that comes when we live in our own free will. When we do what we want, when we want to do it, because we want to do it, we don't care who's going to stop us from doing it. It causes chaos in our life. God has called us to a higher standard of living, not so that he can control us and manipulate us, but because life is literally better when you're not being a jerk. Truth. So what can we learn from this passage and how can we apply it from into our real life? Let's go back. Again, Jesus was led by the Spirit. We have to develop that relationship with God. We have to put the time and the effort in to understanding who God is, why he cares for us, why we want to have a relationship with him. And that part is is so key because is it because we just want somebody who's going to grant us all of, all of our wishes, give us exactly what we want and not argue with us? Or is it because we genuinely want a relationship with the God of the world, the God of the universe. Jesus died on the cross to give us access to that relationship with God. It is not a small price to pay. It was a very large price to pay. I don't know about you, but there's nothing in my body, in my heart, in my spirit that ever wants to have nails driven through my hands and my feet. And I don't want to die on a, on a tree in the middle 
of town where everyone can just watch me suffocate. That's horrible. There was a great price to the fact that we get to have a relationship with God. So we need to grow in our roots. We need to dig down into the truth of who God is. We need to see Christ. Because without the real Jesus, there's a lot of fake Jesus out there right now, guys. So see Christ in all things. And oh my goodness, read the Bible. And I know how annoying that sounds when you're not reading your Bible. So if that sounds annoying to you, I challenge you to determine whether it is conviction or judgment. I'm not judging you. I am not judging you. If you're not reading your Bible, do not worry. I have been there at that point in my life where I'm not, I haven't read my Bible either. I was not in a regular routine of reading my Bible. But we need to read our Bible. So read your Bible. If you have doubt about your relationship with God, about Christianity as a whole, about the Bible, I'm just going to let you know that that's okay. It's okay to have doubts. I think that in the Christian culture, a lot of times it's like doubt comes up and we're like, oh no, oh no, shove it down, shove it back into the tank. Don't talk about it. Don't think about it. Don't ask questions. But it's okay to ask questions. Find somebody safe to talk to. Talk to your pastor. You can have doubt. Like you can have questions about your faith and still be a good Christian. Question, like question the doubt. Is it sound? Is it Satan in the, in the desert trying to uh, entice you just like he did Jesus to take up the world, take up the dust kingdoms of this world instead of honoring God? Or is it coming from a place of, hey, I don't really know about this fact of my religion. Maybe I should look more into that. Maybe I should be able to have an answer for that. Maybe I should better understand what I exactly believe around this specific situation or thing. Bounce it off of scripture. Again, into the Bible we go. Bounce it off scripture. Try to find some verses that relate to whatever your doubt is. Uh, You can even Google nowadays and see other people that have written about it or you can find books about it. Now, if you're going to be doing that, I would very much suggest that you go with some reputable people that are writing and not people that are just off in la-la land making stuff up. I don't know if you've known this, but um, anybody can write a book. Anybody can make a podcast. Anybody can preach the word of God and be a false prophet or a false, I don't know, teacher. So don't just take anything. Or don't just like align yourself with what makes you feel good about your stuff that you're dealing with. Um, I would go for truth in this, you guys. I would go for truth. Do not test God. God is not your test dummy. You don't get to just manipulate him and test him. Like Jesus said, do not test the Lord your God. Stay grounded in the spirit. Be led by the Spirit and stay grounded in the Spirit. Whether you are in the wilderness or on the mountaintop 
whether you have pe- whether you've like just come out of the wilderness and then you have people disqualifying your voice and telling you that you're not allowed to talk about things um stay in the spirit in that moment it could be quite easy to just throw your hands up and run away crying and not be led by the spirit but that's where your relationship with god comes into play in the highs and the lows of this life we need to continue to be steadfast in the truth in our in our relationship with god because when you get to the mountaintop after you've left the valley there will be wind up there. It's not going to be picture perfect and you will have people that will try to thwart your plan or God's plan in your life. The enemy is still there. He's still working. He's still doing the stuff. So you need to stay alert and be ready. Whether you find yourself in the wilderness today or high up on that mountaintop, I just want you to know that God delights in you. He is calling you into a deeper relationship with him a more meaningful and authentic relationship with him. And part of that means that we got to step up and take action too. So I encourage you to dig in today, dig into the truth of who God is by reading his word, spending time in prayer and seeking out the face of Christ in all aspects of your life. Be blessed. See you next time.